Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Around 1.30 a.m. on May 28, 2009, Patrick Boland was walking through Piedmont Park in Atlanta, Georgia when he was stabbed to death. Patrick Boland was an openly gay man and it was believed he was strolling through the park looking for sex at the time he was murdered, as this was commonly done at the time by other gay men. But ever since his murder in 2009, the Atlanta Police Department has still struggled to make an arrest in Patrick's case. I'm your host, Nisa. Welcome to the Lost Crimes Library podcast. This is the story of the mysterious murder of Patrick Boland. Piedmont Park is a 200-plus acre park in Atlanta, Georgia, for families to gather and enjoy nature while using the amenities the Piedmont Park Conservancy has to offer. It's described as this idyllic park with off-leash dog parks, games, swimming, and summer camps. And the park's tagline is, it's not just a park, it's an experience. But behind this glossy facade, there have actually been some dark and violent moments on this land. On May 28, 2009, at 1.30 a.m., the body of 43-year-old Patrick Boland was found dead near the park's lake. He was stabbed to death in his chest, and there was lots of blood at the scene. When the police arrived, the murder was originally attributed to a robbery, but they soon changed their tune and considered the possibility that Patrick was killed while cruising the park for sex. You see, it was widely known that after the park closed for the day, gay men would sometimes cruise near the lake for sex. Investigators learned that Patrick Boland was openly gay, which was confirmed by his family members as well. So, investigators believed that Patrick may have been planning to meet someone in the park, but they just didn't know who that someone could be. The only thing that investigators had to go on regarding the perpetrator was that they fled the scene and ran far. There was a large amount of blood at the scene, and there was a blood trail going in the direction in which the attacker fled. Detectives went to Patrick's home to see if they could find any other evidence. But the only thing of note was that Patrick's white Toyota Sequoia was missing from his residence. Police thought if they could locate Patrick's SUV, 
it might lead them to suspects. However, they learned that Patrick's SUV was parked at a separate location, not at the park, where they assumed it would be. I couldn't find any information about where his car was found. We just know it wasn't in the parking lot designated for the park. We also know that the police processed Patrick's vehicle, but only found prints that belonged to Patrick. With no murder weapon, no fingerprints, or any physical evidence, the Atlanta Police Department were stuck without any major leads. They were unable to name a suspect. However, another stabbing that occurred 15 minutes after Patrick's stabbing caught the attention of police, and it made them wonder if the person who killed Patrick was also responsible for this second stabbing. The second stabbing happened at Juniper and 6th Streets, a few blocks south of Piedmont Park. The victim, like Patrick, was also a gay man. This victim was hospitalized with wounds not believed to be life-threatening. At this point, the police weren't ruling out the possibility both attacks were linked. According to an email sent by an Atlanta police major to a Midtown community activist, homicide detectives interviewed a person found with bloodstains and injuries in Midtown. The email also stated, quote, This morning's homicide at Piedmont Park is likely to be male hustling related, end quote. However, I couldn't find any information about this person the APD interviewed. I'm left to assume that nothing came of this interview with the person who was found with bloodstains back in 2009. After these two attacks, police stepped up patrols within the park. The police presence was kind of unusual for this community. Apparently, at the time, crime in this area was rare, according to some citizens, local law enforcement, and the Piedmont Park Conservancy. But Randall Cobb, who was the chair of the Midtown Neighbors Association Safety Committee at the time, challenged the city's assertion that crime was down. Cobb claimed, quote, crime has not gone down in the city, no matter what the city says they're doing, end quote. He mentioned there had been a spike in Midtown break-ins and armed robberies since 2007. He also alleged, quote, it's organized crime. These are not crackheads looking for a quick turnaround. These guys are moving into a neighborhood and hitting it with everything they have, end quote. It took six weeks for investigators to reach out to the public regarding Patrick Boland's homicide case. Investigators said the case was going slow and they needed the public's help. According to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, police were unclear if Patrick knew his killer. They were hoping that someone out there knew what could have happened to Patrick that early morning. They did receive some tips about the case, but it never went anywhere. They needed something that would stick. Some people in the community recognized that the police department's approach to Patrick's murder stood in sharp contrast to their high-profile approach to the shooting death of boxer Vernon Forrest that same year on July 28th. Within days, police arrested two men in the case and said they expected more arrests to be made. Meanwhile, the APD failed to make any arrests in Patrick's case or in the nearby stabbing of the second gay man that took place shortly after Patrick's murder. A year after Patrick's murder, the city of Atlanta and its LGBTQ community was rocked with multiple violent crimes. The rise in crimes against LGBTQ citizens were raising some questions. Mainly, could all these cases be connected? On July 2nd, 2010, 
a gay social justice minister from St. Mark United Methodist Church named Josh Noblet, was attacked and robbed at gunpoint in Piedmont Park with his friend as they were having an evening picnic. According to police, a group of young men approached Josh and his friend and asked if they were gay, saying they, quote, should whoop your for that, end quote. The group walked away but returned later, and a fight broke out between the young men and Josh Niblett and his friend. Somehow, these attackers were able to call for backup, and they continued to attack Josh and his friend before police responded. There were six male suspects between the ages of 13 and 19 who were responsible. They were eventually arrested, and APD had classified this attack as an anti-gay bias crime. A few days later, another attack happened. On July 9, 2010, a transgender sex worker was attacked by a John who didn't want to pay her. The police learned that the male perpetrator shot at her, grazing her lip, and the perpetrator also bit off one of her ears. I couldn't find any information about whatever came of this case, if her attacker was ever brought to justice. But the day after this attack, there was another attack. On July 10, 2010, George Walker was brutally assaulted. George Walker was an officer with the State Board of Pardons and Paroles at the time he was attacked. He was beaten so severely he had been placed in a medically induced coma and was treated at Grady Hospital. Eventually, he came out of the coma, but this didn't mean the police didn't have a suspect to find, so police continued to investigate. George's black SUV was located in the parking lot of a gay bar called the Atlanta Eagle. They caught a break in the case when 30-year-old Gregory Johnson confessed to beating George Walker. Johnson told police he took Walker's cash and cell phone. According to the police, this attack did not appear to be random. In fact, the two men had met at some point prior to the assault. The police did not know George Walker's sexual orientation and his case was not classified as a hate crime. On August 25, 2010, a man named Durand Robinson was killed a week before one of the biggest weekends of the year for the Atlanta LGBTQ community, Atlanta's Black Gay Pride Parade. Durand was part of the party promotion team and Tracks Atlanta, a gay Decatur nightclub. Durand was gunned down in the middle of Hadlock Street in southwest Atlanta. Durand Robinson was a victim of a carjacking, and he was shot outside his Ford truck. Police had some strong leads in this case. At the time, it wasn't certain whether the killer made Durand get out of the vehicle before shooting him, or if the perpetrator pushed him out after shooting him. Witnesses told the police they heard shouting shortly after 1am on Hadlock Street, and then they saw Durand lying in the street. He was killed by a gunshot wound to the chest. Detectives believed that the motive for his killing had nothing to do with Durand's sexual orientation. They believed it could have had something to do with past personal relationships with people in his life. Only 11 days later, on September 5th, two young men, 21-year-old Samuel Blizzard and 26-year-old Calvin Streeter, were found shot to death in an apartment in Richmond Circle in southeast Atlanta. Samuel was a Georgia State University student from Spring Cove, Virginia. The APD retraced the steps of Samuel Blizzard and Calvin Streeter. The police were not even sure if the two men were gay, but Calvin Streeter was seen at Black Gay Pride the day before. The fact that at least one victim was at Black Gay Pride may not have played any role in the killings, but the police said all possibilities had to be eliminated. They learned that they both died from gunshot wounds to the head. 
there were no signs of forced entry into the apartment where they were found together. This suggested to police that the victims knew the killer. Samuel was found dead in the living room, while Calvin Streeter was found dead in a back room that was used as a bedroom. Police said there were no signs of a struggle. They also revealed that the victims were not robbed after they were killed. In 2010, law enforcement officials were quick to point out that there was no relationship between the shootings and that there was yet no proof that sexual orientation or perceived sexual orientation played a role in any of the killings of these three men. But these violent crimes impacting the LGBTQ community within days of each other, as well as other noted crimes that involved openly gay people that year, put some citizens on edge. For some, it was hard to believe that these cases were not connected. The Atlanta Police Department believed that an increase in Atlanta's LGBTQ population could have been behind the increase in reported crimes involving LGBTQ victims. They also suggested that the increase in reported crimes could be because at this point in 2010, it was also more accepted for police to discuss the sexual orientation of victims than it was, say, 25 years ago. There wasn't much data that existed back then to say for certain how many LGBTQ plus people lived in Atlanta at the time. But the Williams Institute of the UCLA School of Law, which tracks and reports same-sex couples in each state based on U.S. Census data, reported that in 2000, there were 19,288 same-sex couples living in all of Georgia. And in 2005, which are the latest numbers available to reference for crimes that took place in 2009 and 2010, According to the Williams Institute, Georgia same-sex couples increased to 24,424, likely due to a growing willingness by gay and lesbian people to discuss their partnerships with the government. The Williams Institute also estimated that in 2005, there were an estimated 278,943 gay, lesbian, and bisexual people, that's single and coupled, living in all of Georgia. The public affairs manager for the Atlanta Police Department at the time said that if there were an obvious trend of gay people being targeted by a killer or killers, the police would be quick to put that information out to the public. When it comes to the case of Patrick Boland, the APD doesn't believe his case is connected to any other cases from around that time. According to a statement from the Atlanta Police Department in 2010, quote, we had information that a couple people were robbed in the Midtown area that day with knives. We looked at all those cases to see if there were relationships. Unfortunately, in the murder case, there are no witnesses at all." End quote. Police have made it clear that there was no information at that point that the killing was related to the other robberies, other than that a knife was the weapon in all of the crimes. But the killings in Piedmont Park did not end in 2009. Patrick Boland's death was the last homicide in Piedmont Park until July 2022. There was another stabbing, but this time the victim was a woman and her dog. At around 1 a.m., 40-year-old Katie Janice and her dog Bowie were found stabbed to death inside Piedmont Park near the 10th Street gate entrance. Their bodies were discovered by Katie's girlfriend, Emma Clark, after Katie did not return from walking Bowie. An autopsy revealed that Katie was stabbed more than 50 times in the face, neck, and torso. Additionally, the letters F, A, and T were carved into her torso. 
As of July 2022, it's still unknown why she was killed or who killed her, and the Atlanta Police Department has not made any arrests, announced any persons of interest, or stated a possible motive related to the crime. The APD hasn't made a statement about whether Katie's killing was because of her sexual identity as a lesbian, but I think it's really problematic and disturbing that so many crimes that have happened in Piedmont Park over the years are against people from the LGBTQ community. Before 2009, Piedmont Park had been primarily known for its lush landscape, 200 plus acres of land, and family activities. But in recent years, it's been marked with tragedy and violence. And I can't help but recognize that both victims, Patrick and Katie, were part of the LGBTQ community, and both murders were gruesome, almost as if the killers harbored some sort of hatred or rage toward the victims. I'm not saying these cases are connected because I don't have the expertise to say so, but I do think the similarities are chilling. Both were killed around 1am, both were part of a marginalized community, both were murdered in Piedmont Park, despite violent crime rates supposedly being low there, and both were brutally stabbed to death. More than a decade later, Patrick Boland's murder is listed by Atlanta police as a cold case. If anyone is listening and they have information about the case of Patrick Boland, please contact the Atlanta Police Department at 404-614-6544. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.